Welcome. This is Karen Modakaitis, and you're listening to How She Really Does It, the place where inspiration and possibility meet on KDRT 95.7 FM. In this episode, I get to have a conversation with my friend Hiro Boga, and we're talking about trust. And really, we're talking about self trust. One of the things I often say is self trust is the basis for self-love. I invite you to listen and think about what are your takeaways? What's the most useful thing that you can receive from this conversation with my friend Hero? I will circle back after my conversation with her. Thank you so much for listening. To pre-warn you, the audio on my end of this conversation with Hero is not great. My microphone was not plugged in. It was a total technical error. And after much uh, thinking about it and the fact that we are in the present moment when we have these conversations and we can't recreate it necessarily, we may go into different areas. I just found this conversation to be too valuable. So if the audio is going to be a problem, I invite you to turn it off. If you can withstand my crappy mic situation, I invite you to tune in as I talk about self-trust with my friend Hero Boga. Thank you so much for your generosity. Smiling big for you. Hero, hello and welcome back. Hi, Corinne. Thanks so much for having me. So lovely to have you. So today we're going to talk about trust and trusting yourself and the in hopefully you can share some practices to help people get themselves there to trust. Um, what are your thoughts about trusting yourself right now? Mm-hmm. So we were talking briefly before we started this recording and you were telling this wonderful story about, about buying a new couch mm-hmm. to illustrate trusting yourself. Do you want to share that story? Sure. So as people know, my family, we all have bad backs now. And so the couch that we had just wasn't supporting us. And I decided it was time to go buy a couch. And there was a bit of dread hero, quite actually, because I have this very long process to buy stuff because I have stories mm-hmm. of I'm not good at this. I, you know, don't believe, I think I don't believe that I can trust myself to know what I like, even though like I can walk into a room and see something. And, um, so I have all these stories, these limiting beliefs, like I don't have a good eye Mm. and that kind of thing. And so I want somebody else to go do it for me. And anyways, my husband and I, I, I have convinced him, he never goes and does this, but I convinced him one day after his physical therapy appointment, just to stop by this furniture store. I just said, I just want to quickly see what they actually have because I've been looking online, but couches are kind of hard for me at least to find online to be able to really. Yeah, because you have to sit in it mm-hmm. to know if it feels comfortable. I mean, it doesn't matter how it looks. If it doesn't feel right, then. Yeah. And you can't do that online. No. And, and then with our backs, I'm really particular about it. So we went into the store and 
at first, I mean, we have this giant sectional right now. And I mm-hmm. thought, oh, well, we, we keep a sectional. I want a lot of, I want a lot of space. Now, the last time I bought the sectional, my kids were little. And we used to have lots of sleepovers. So you could throw 10 girls on this couch with oh, the wow. ottoman. Yeah, it was, it's a huge sectional because there was an ottoman. So it turned into this giant bed. So it was fun. But now my kids, you know, as we've talked about, times are changing. So as my kids are older, they don't have huge sleepovers like that anymore. So I looked and he showed me this one section. I was like, okay, that could be something. And then as he was going to show me another piece of furniture, this couch caught my eye and it was a sofa with the love seat. And I was like, Ooh, I mean, I just noticed like I lit up and I looked, I sat, he gave me this stuff and I literally had 10 minutes in the store because my husband's not at all fond of this. So he was very gracious to be able to go here. So I came home and I kind of looked around I went to a couple of other stores and then I was like, you know what? I actually just want to go here. I don't need to go every weekend for the next five weeks to see what is out there. I really like that. I looked at two other stores that were close by and I asked a girlfriend to go with me. We walked in and we tested between the sectional and the sofa. And I had to go inside my body to feel like, how does it feel to to lay in the chase lounge? And some of these sofas have recliners in them when the recliners were actually much more supportive than the chase lounge part. And so we went back and forth and I decided, you know, of course they have this furniture store has their layout. So I decided on the sofa and it comes, they also have a love seat. But I, I thought there was something inside of me hero that was saying, don't copy them, right? Like what is it that mm-hmm. you want for your space instead of like just buying up that whole, you know, decoration. Cause I have this story. So it was about, I guess it was going back to trusting myself. And then there was quite a bit of discussion because my girlfriend, all good intentions, was like, oh, you should really get the power recliners. And I kept thinking about it. And I'm like, oh, I don't know. And, you know, we're looking at all the angles and how it would affect my back. But the power recliners, one is I have a really difficult time having a couch with power recliners. Like that just seems not like working hard enough. And then I'm like... <laughs> Like how much lazier can I be that I have to have a power recliner? No judgment for others, but, and a lot of these couches now have cup holders and boxes and stuff. And I was like, I just can't do that. Like I just, I couldn't do that. Right. For me, it didn't work. But the other part, my other part of the resistance for the power recliners, not just like the laziness of using my own body to move the the chair is there was a USB outlet and I went, Oh my gosh. Because iPhones are such an issue in my house. And I thought, mm. I'm going to have cords hanging out of these couches all the time. It's going to, you know, I'm going to be irritated with that. And my kids, like, we have a rule, one screen at a time. So if you're watching TV, be present and watch TV. You know, don't be on your phone and watching TV. Like, let's not have two, two screens. So that just helps enable that situation and create more issues for a family. Mm-hmm. Right. So I thought about that for a long time. And, and then I, you know, I, I'm fortunate because when we built our house, we have a, an outlet on the floor. So I could actually have I mean, who would have thought that you plug your couch into a, into a floor outlet. That wasn't the reason why, but I was like, well, I could do that, but then it's heavier and lifting it. Finally, I just said, you know what, I'm going to go with the manual. I don't want the USB ports and I don't want this. And it was because as you said, when we were talking, it was really clear mm-hmm. about my values. Like that idea with my kids of having another thing to argue with or to have to police over wasn't worth it, you know? And, yeah. it's, and it's so interesting because there was a time in my life that it would have been 
more of a financial decision. Could I have, you know, did I have the money to spend or did I not want to spend that money? And it, it, that wasn't the decision in this case. I mean, I was happy to spend less, but it came down to what were our values as a family and how did I Mm -hmm. want to spend my energy? Mm Hmm. Yeah. Well, it sounds as though there were sort of two stages to your decision-making, both of which involved trusting yourself at each stage, because the first one was you saying, this feels lazy, (laughs) Um, (laughs) which I had to laugh. (laughs) Which is so funny, because when I bought my car last year, of course I wanted power seats. Like, I don't think of that as lazy. I just I know it's <laughs> what we get used to, you know. I just so so there's that part of it where I think part of how we make decisions is we feel into who we are and see if if what whatever you know whatever choice you're considering um, is a good match for who you are. So if you think of yourself as a person. Who, who doesn't want to rely on, um, on you know, machinery to move your coach to the position that that it needs to be? Then that is going to not feel congruent with who you are, right? Mm-hmm. So you made the first choice based on congruence with who you are, and then the second choice based on congruence with your values, with what you know that you want for your family. Um, So it seems to me that part of self-trust is knowing yourself and your values so completely that you know intuitively what feels congruent and what doesn't, even if you don't go through the whole process of articulating it to yourself. Um, you still know, you still have that sense. It's interesting. I was watching um, a show on on television that is, you know how HGTV has these home shows mm-hmm. where they show people homes and then people have to make this big decision about, you know, are they going to buy this house or that house or whatever. Well, there's an English version of it and it's, very interesting because it's a completely different energy. What they want in a home is so different from what um, people on North American shows want. So part of it is that cultural conditioning, you know. Um, But they're looking for, like, you know, it's mostly um, people who are retired and wanting to move to the countryside out of London or out of one of the big cities. Um, And they go into these houses and it's what makes them feel, the word they use often is cozy, but really what they're saying is what makes them feel at home. So for you, with the couch, in some way it was like, what, what makes me feel at home with myself? What makes we feel like this would belong in our home, given the way that we want to live. Um, and that makes, that that's what self-trust is, isn't it? 
in, in going inside of what your voice is and not necessarily what others. Yeah. It's, right. and, and, and recognizing, you know, like for me, there's another layer to that, which is recognizing what is conditioned and what is essential. Mm-hmm. You know, so at, at one time I might choose something because it is congruent with who I am at that time in my life and what feels right to me at that time in my life. But, you know, a couple of years later or five years later or a decade later, I might choose the opposite because I'm not static. So self-trust has to grow um, and, and, and be, has to grow with you. It has to be um, something that uh, emerges from an ongoing awareness of who you are and an, ongo- and an awareness that who you are is continually changing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, your, your needs change, your values change. Certainly for me, as I'm aging and I'm looking at, you know, I'm 67 now, when I look at, we were talking earlier about, about my car buying decision, and as I look at what I need in terms of a car now, it's very different, not just from when my kids were young and I was hauling, you know, them and their friends and their, their taco balls and various kinds of equipment around, uh, but also different in terms of, like, I'm looking at, well, this is probably going to be the last car I will buy um, because I don't, you know, I don't, like, the, the car, cars that are being made now have all of the safety features that I need. Mm-hmm. I don't think I'm going to live long enough to see the cars that kind of fly through the air. And, <laughs> and uh, um, so I, I, and I need those safety features now to compensate for, you know, my increasing uh, arthritis and I need a degree of comfort, but I also don't need to be, I'm, I'm not driving long distances anymore. Uh, I do very little driving, so I need something much more modest uh, than I have needed in the past. Um, And also that now I'm looking at, um, I don't know, I I feel this with all kinds of things. I feel like this is not my time of life to be accumulating things anymore. Mm -hmm. It's it's not that, you know, I'm reverting to monkhood or anything, but um, but that I'm, not, I'm really aware that I'm not going to be taking any of this with me and that whatever I leave when I die, my kids are going to have to deal with, you know. Mm-hmm. So, so I'm thinking about that as well as what it means to me right now. And I'm also thinking about um, how congruent my choices are with the world that I want to see my grandkids and your grandkids and all of our grandkids inherit. 
Mm-hmm. So, you know, there are layers, I think, of who we are becoming, um, both individually and culturally, that go into that process of self-trust. Does that make sense? It makes total sense. And, well, you know, again, going back to this couch is something to to demonstrate on. I wound up going with the sofa and then another recliner chair. Because Mm -hmm. when I started to go, okay, well, there's really four of us now that live in this home. At one point, we've had six or seven people. So there's four of us. And with recliners, you only need so many. And, and, Mm -hmm. And I like the idea of instead of taking up this massive amount of space with that sectional of actually having space. Yeah. And, and, and again, you know, where I was 10 years ago when I was buying a couch and where I am today is different. It's like you were explaining about buying a car and when you're shuffling kids around versus when it's you. I mean, that was the same experience I had with buying my car last year. The reality is I'm in my car most of the time by myself, maybe one other person. I don't need mm-hmm. to have eight seats where for a long time, I needed eight seats because they were maxed out and I needed room for all the gear. So as we evolve, we, and we get clear, as you had said, is what is essential to us now? And then I do think that the buying the car experience that the listeners heard about last year really helped me with buying the couches this year because mm-hmm. I was able to um, get really clear and give myself one permission that it really all that mattered is what did I like? Because my, 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 my room isn't going on a television show to be judged. Right? Mm-hmm. Nobody's going to see it. It's what do I like and what do I feel comfortable in? And always my top priority is how do I support my back? Right. I, and that, yeah. that's always my top priority. So what do I like? And my previous couch is a, as a down, uh, has down pillows, which I really, really wanted to have at one point in my life and they were comfortable and stuff, lacked a lot of the support that we currently need. I'm over the feathers and I'm over plumping up cushions. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah. I was very adamant that that was not going to be the case. Like, but it, it, it served its purpose that I don't have regrets over it. It served its purpose, but mm-hmm. I'm so excited to have a couch that I don't have to plump up. And I'm sure from this new couch experience, there will be things that I will learn. And who knows, maybe the next couch, I will definitely want the power seats. Right. I don't know. Yeah. Well, you know, one of the things I'd like to talk about, because I think what happens is that we, the, those areas of our lives where we are comfortable, where we know the terrain, we know who we are within that territory, uh, it's much easier to trust ourselves, right? So now, like, you know what you need, you know what your back needs, you know what your family needs, you know what your values are. And so buying the couch became much easier this time for you than it has in the past. I think where, certainly I see this with, you know, I see it with clients, I see it for myself too, that that when we are facing something that is new to us or unknown to us, that is when we most need the capacity to trust ourselves. Mm. And that is when we feel um, 
most we tend most of us tend to feel the most self doubt right mm-hmm. so I'm thinking about um let me just think about this for a second so you know i i I mentor entrepreneurs and particularly entrepreneurial women um and so a lot of what I see happen for my clients is that they you know they've they've experienced enormous success most of them in aspects of their lives they they have created thriving businesses and then they reach a kind of plateau um, and because they tend to be risk takers as entrepreneurs generally are uh, they will look at new avenues new ways to um, new territory to explore either in their businesses or in their lives and as they go into that those new territories um, partly they begin to rely more on other people who know more about that area than they do so if, you know, let's step it back a notch and say you are, um, you, you know, you're a, you're a coach or a healer or a, a teacher and you are comfortable with a certain kind of level of doing your work. You're really comfortable with your craft. You're good at it. You've been doing it for a long time. And then you decide that you're going to make a business of it. You're, you're really going to get serious about this. You're going to quit your day job and you are going to start a business. Or you have a business and you're going to start to really take it seriously and expand it. And so you start taking um, you know, business courses and business programs. And, and all of a sudden, you're in this other culture um, of online business, and if you know you're you're listening to and trying to learn from people who who know it better than you do, or who who ha- have expertise in that area, um, and as the more you do that, the more you lose touch with with your own inner sense of what is right for you. Um, and this, like, there's a certain amount of that uncertainty that is necessary for new learning. Like, if you shut your mind or, or your, you know, your awareness to anything outside of what you already know, you would never learn anything new. So, in some ways, we have to open ourselves, uh, to, to other people's input and, and information. Um, but, and, and, and in doing that, we lose touch with some, some sense of certainty and inner knowing that goes beyond simply the knowledge base that we have, but, but that addresses that place of self-trust, of trust in our, our own intuitions, our own understanding of things and our own value system. You go in, you know, going back to this example, you go into the online business world, you're told, well, this is what you need to do in order to market your products. This is, 
um, you know, this is how you need, this is the language you need to speak, uh, you need to, talk, you know, um, address people's pain points and so on. And everything within you is going, is, is shutting down because none of this makes sense in terms of what you already know, but also some of it doesn't make sense in terms of your own values. And yet, you don't trust yourself enough to make choices that go against the grain of what it, what you're being told is the norm because you haven't got the experience to rely on. So you go in and you try this and you try that and, you know, and you feel and you see some results, but they don't feel good or you see results, but they you know, they, they, they disappear. They're not consistent. And eventually you have to find that uh, your way through in a way that, that relies on your own inner sense of what is right for you. Even though you don't know the terrain, you have to trust that. So self-trust, the, the, the stakes become much higher. You know, self-trust in buying a couch. Well, if it's a disaster of a couch, mm-hmm. you can always sell it and buy another one. Self-trust when you're starting out in, in, uh, in the business world and your, your livelihood depends on the choices that you make is a whole other thing because the stakes are high. You know, it may be not just your livelihood, but your family's livelihood, how you provide for your kids and, and your home and, and all of that may be riding on it. So as the stakes get higher, we have to grapple with our own neurobiology in some ways, which will begin to undermine self-trust. You know, those, those places in ourselves where we get really scared and think, oh my God, if I'm, you know, if I'm going out on a limb and I'm moving away from the herd um, and it doesn't work, um, you know, my kids are, won't have choose to wear to school or, you know, won't be able to pay the mortgage um, next month. So that's where the rubber really meets the road. You know, that's where y- you have to find a more nuanced relationship to self-trust because you have to ask yourself, what, you know, what do I know to be true about me and my values? What do I know to be true about me in this situation and in relationship to this whatever path I'm considering? Uh, what consequences am I willing to bear that really becomes the question, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. If I trust myself, I mean, I tell people this all the time. You know, they say, well, how, how do I decide? Well, ask yourself the question. If I trusted myself completely, what would I choose? And, and, and it really, that it is that simple. But the corollary to that is that you have to be willing to 
be clear-eyed about the, the potential consequences without freaking out, you know, without getting yourself so scared that you can't make a clear uh, connection with your own inner sense of what's right. And, and so you use both your intuition and do your due diligence and then ask yourself, can I bear these consequences? And who else will bear these consequences with me if I'm wrong? Mm-hmm. And you do that over and over. And each time you do that and you make a choice that's congruent with who you are and what you know and what you're willing to bear in terms of consequences and you see how it works out for you, you build trust. You build trust in yourself. The other part of it is that you build trust in yourself by being trustworthy to yourself. So if you have a track record of making commitments to yourself and then not honoring them or not following through on them, or making commitments to others and not honoring them or not following through on them, you will experience yourself as being not trustworthy. And then when the stakes are really high, you won't be able to rely on yourself. So self-trust is about more... It's about how you live. It's about being congruent in your actions and your choices in every aspect of your life because then when it really counts and you have to make a decision whose consequences um, are, are, are significant or will have a significant impact in your life, you will know that you can trust yourself because you have been trustworthy to yourself and to your world. Mm-hmm. Right? The, the honoring the commitments to yourself is so important. And it, it, and one of the things that I just want to give the listeners is that if you aren't good at that, I invite you not to bite, beat yourself up about it. Start working on cultivating that relationship. I used to not be good at that. I used to be very good at honoring commitments. Well, I used to not be good at any commitments. And then I got became great, good at honoring commitments to other people And then I became better at honoring commitments to myself. And that is a practice that I have developed. And I really think about, you know, what's the, what's the relationship I want to have with myself. And I want it to be one where I honor commitments to myself. And with that being said, one of my clients a couple weeks ago gave this great visual for me. She said her to-do list, she thinks of it like a toilet paper roll. It's just ongoing. And many of us can feel that way about our to-do list. Like, wow, how can I honor commitments to myself? Because look at all of this that I, that keeps showing up and that I keep failing to do. And it's about getting realistic and cons- having constraints about what can you do in this given space, whether it's a given space of a morning, an afternoon, a day, and practice honoring those commitments, getting those in line with your priorities instead of looking at, you know, my old habit was I had way more to do than I had the capacity to get done. And so I would create evidence for myself that, see, I can't honor commitments to myself. I can't get it all done. Yeah, but, but the primary commitment to yourself has to be creating in your life the kinds of structures that allow you 
to show up fully in a way that is nourishing and joyful. And so to that that commit to honor that commitment means to build in space. And it's interesting because that's one of the ways in which people end up not trusting themselves, you know, is that because this culture is so wedded to the idea that your identity um, is tied to, you know, how complex your life is, how busy your <laughs> life is, how much you can do, how much you can accomplish, uh, then, then that cuts people off from themselves and from what they really need. And so then they don't build that spaciousness into the day. Um, and then they're constantly disappointed in themselves or they're constantly running to catch up or, you know, they, they're constantly running this loop in their heads of, well, when I've got this over with, I will then I will feel like I can trust myself because I'll have the room and the space to do it rather than saying, this is my most essential need. You know, it's really... So trusting ourselves is so much about having a relationship with ourselves that is kind, realistic, truth-based, compassionate, aware, and generous, right? Mm -hmm. Because when we are those things, then we know what we want, we know what we need, we know when we're getting pulled by some aspect of ourselves that, you know, that is yanking off in a different direction because that part of us thinks that, you know, that she will feel more powerful if she drives a Lamborghini. Mm -hmm. And yet, self-trust is built on you and you're in, in, in your presence and your soul essence and saying, hey, I love you. You are a part of me. You do not need a red Lamborghini to be who you think you should be. Come back into my heart. Come hang out here and I will remind you of who you really are. And who you really are does not need embellishment. You know, so it's having, it's, it's about relationship. It's about relationship with every aspect of ourselves because there are always going to be parts of us that are, are less, um, less mature, less grown up. Um, and it's those, if we allow those parts of ourselves to hijack what we know to be our agenda in life, you know, which is based in our, in our values and in our true desires, then we'll end up not trusting ourselves. And we're in a culture that cultivates distrust, aren't we, with ourselves? Yeah, absolutely. We're in a culture that is driven by... Um, greed and and the desire for profit in a systemic way, you know. I'm not saying that that's true for individuals necessarily. 
but definitely systemically. And so all the messages that we get, or so many of the messages that we get, um, are designed to cut us off from our own selves and from our own truth. Leonard Cohen had a wonderful song. I kind of tried to remember which one it was. Um, where he, you know, he talks about, um, yeah, I buy what I'm told. <laughs> that was one of the lines in us. Well, and so whether it's, you know, as an entrepreneur and you're going into new territory or, you know, me with a couch, which seems like a low risk thing, but for somebody out there it could be really high risk. You know, mm-hmm. I could be listening to my girlfriend and the sa- the two salespeople and the designer that were on the floor mm-hmm. versus going, listening to them. I was willing to hear what they had to say and going within. And the same thing if, if you're deciding to go into a new love area of your business and maybe you hire the quote experts, but there's mm-hmm. a conflict between your values and what they're saying mm-hmm. and going into this new territory where there can be the perceived risk, whether it's spending money on a couch or, you know, maybe losing potential income or you're going to spend, you're going to invest quite a bit in your business. Mm-hmm. How does one venture into this new territory with the ability to trust themselves when it's the unknown? Well, you build it through your day-to-day life, you know. You build trust through experience. Trust is built through experience. So the more experience you have of choosing your, of, of knowing your true desires and choosing your true desires, which are the voices of your soul and which always flow from your deepest values, um, the more you will see how that works out for you. So then when you enter new territory, you enter it with a foundation of trust in yourself, trust in your desires, trust in your capacity to know what you really want, no matter how loud and shiny and flashy the voices are around you, uh, that, that you have this relationship with yourself that you carry like a lamp through everything. And you, or like a compass, you know, it's a compass that guides you. You don't know the map because it's new terrain and, and you will create that map as you walk it, but you have a compass and that compass is inside you. And the more that you have developed that, that sense of yourself as a trustworthy being and that sense of your desires as being trustworthy, then you can enter into new terrain, you can hear what people say, and you can use your discernment to choose what you keep from what you're learning and what you discard and what you simply put on the shelf because it's not relevant to you right now. It may be great for another stage in your life, but 
it's not useful at the moment. So your discernment becomes your your guide and your compass. And it's through trusting your discernment and making your decisions from there that you develop a body of experience through which you trust yourself in this new situation. But if you go into a new situation with a kind of shaky relationship with yourself, if you don't, if you haven't taken the time to get to know those parts of you that sabotage your best intentions, and if you haven't taken the time to develop sovereign relationships with them so that you recognize, oh yeah, you know, this is the me that, you know, makes, makes New Year's resolutions and then crashes six weeks later and is back on the old, old track, uh, feeling guilty and ashamed and terrible about myself. But here we are again. Then when you go into a high-stakes new situation, you're going to go in with a shaky sense that you can't rely on yourself. You know? And I mean, like everything we're talking about, you know, there's this, there's, there's no one right, true answer for. I mean, I'm thinking about for myself, um, I, you know, that that I've developed an immense trust in my own discernment, in my own uh, process of self-reflection, so that. You know, I'm always aware of the fact that I have, that there are things I'm blind to. The things I'm blind to in myself, there are things I'm blind to in my relationship with the world. Uh, And so I have a practice, a daily practice of kind of tuning in to what it is that I'm not seeing, even though it's right in front of my nose. Um, And yet, you know, life happens. So I, you know, I've talked about this before in the last few years. There, were, there was a period of about three, two, three years where I was very ill with Lyme disease and I couldn't rely on my body. So everything I thought I knew about myself and everything that I trusted in myself suddenly was not so trustworthy anymore. And it wasn't because... I wasn't trustworthy. It was because circumstances had changed. My body had changed. Uh, and I couldn't consistently rely on it to be a certain way from one day to the next. So then what was required of me in order to develop self-trust in that situation and in order to get back to trusting my body was really kind of a micro uh, a a much closer grained or finer grained awareness Um, a kind of micro connection to my body moment to moment to moment you know checking in what's going on today what can I what can I commit to that I can do today? Because I don't know that I could do it tomorrow. So it 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 it's it's always it's about relationship. Self trust is about relationship. Mm. 
with ourselves and knowing that like any relationship, it requires being really present to what is um, and and trusting that, you know, for me, for example, trusting my body was doing its best, was doing its very best, and I was doing my best within that situation. And that it would require, because it was a new situation to me and because it was not one that had any degree of predictability. It was quite volatile, changed from day to day. Uh, that I had to find, like the lowest or the 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 smallest thing that I could reliably commit to, and adjusting everything else to support that, in order to support my body and to support my life. You know, so none of it is fixed. I mean, there's no sort of, there isn't like, okay, well, always keep your promises to yourself. <laughs> yes, that that principle applies. But what keeping your promises to yourself means will change depending on what happens to you. You know, what's going on in your life that's beyond your control. So that the nature of the promises that you make to yourself and to others has to change too. Mm -hmm. So trusting yourself means really being in right relationship with yourself and in right relationship with reality. For where you are today. Mm -hmm. So like when we were talking about whether it was the car or the couch... And at different phases in our lives, we had different needs. And mm-hmm. and so where we are today to be able to trust ourselves today and not putting on expectations of maybe 10 years ago, because that wouldn't be the right relationship for us ourselves now. Yeah, it's something about, I could think... For me now, like I trust myself. So if I'm doing something or say my body, for me right now, my big big thing is my body. My body's doing something that I don't understand. You know, like I've had, um, I don't know, I told you mm-hmm. a, a few weeks ago this this episode that I didn't understand what was going on. Uh, with my body, and then I went to see my doctor, and he thought I'd had a mini stroke, and he sent me into the hospital for a stroke assessment, uh, and it turned out to be something else. It wasn't a stroke, but all through it, like all through what was happening, I didn't understand what was happening, but I trusted that my body was doing its best, and I trusted myself to be able to handle whatever was going on and whatever that outcome was going to be. And I trusted myself enough so that the, those parts of me that were just scared to death, not of you know dying, but of, of being disabled or not being able to take care of myself or being um, 
a burden on my kids or whatever, like all of those things come up, you know, in those situations that I trusted myself enough and those parts of me that were freaking out trusted me enough that we could sit down together and I could talk myself through it and say, hey, you know what? It's okay. It's okay to be terrified. It's okay to be really scared. This really sucks. This is really scary. And remember when this and this and this and this happened, the long litany of things that have happened over a long life, and we got through it, and we will get through this together now. So self-trust is about relationship with self. And when that relationship is profound, then even when disruptions happen, and they always do, you know, you can't control life, you have a practice that is so ingrained and a relationship that is so deeply uh, grounded uh, and anchored in your life that you can trust yourself to get through it. And you trust that you, that, you know, whatever choices you're making, even if they turn out to be not so great, that they're still being made from a place of, of love and integrity and the best that you know at the time. Mm. I love that, of love and integrity, the best that you know at the time. Yeah. Hmm. Well, Hero, hmm. thank you for coming and talking about trust on all levels for the listeners today. Because as you say, trust is, is, is about relationships with ourselves. And I often say trust, self-trust is the basis of self-love. So I really appreciate you coming and having this conversation today. Thank you, Corinne. It's always a delight to talk with you. I look forward to our next conversation. I do too. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. I invite you to cultivate a relationship with yourself where you have self-trust. Self-trust is the basis of self-love. And I invite you to really be present to what is. Pay attention. Trust that your body is doing its best today, even if it may not be where you want it to be. Trust. Listen to the voice inside of you. And here's the thing. I believe in being practical. I believe in uh, being practical. Uh, so I'm not saying take gigantic leaps, but go ahead and trust yourself. Test it out and then see how did that work out for you? So maybe it was being brave and calling up a friend and going out and inviting them over for dinner, whatever it may be. Maybe it's uh, wanting to put input into your workplace. I invite you to listen to that voice inside of you that has that desire and go out there and do it. And you can take small steps as you create this relationship of self-trust. 
one of the components that I really like from Brene Brown is her BRAVING acronym that she has. And the BRAVING stands for boundaries. No, it's okay. No, it's not okay. And for us to know what are our boundaries? What's okay for us? What's not okay? How much sleep do you need to have? How much food do you need? What kind of downtime do you need? I used to think that, oh, that's ridiculous to have to have downtime. We should just be able to work more. But really, really value that downtime and paying attention to that. And I'm still fine-tuning that. So boundaries, who are the kind of people that are respectful about your boundaries? And who are the people that aren't interested in your boundaries? Just pay attention. There's no need to judge. Nobody's good or bad. Just pay attention. Reliability. Are you reliable with yourself? That one is huge. Honoring commitments to yourself. How are you at that? Not And not. this isn't coming from a place of shame. This is about how are you at honoring commitments? If you say you're going to get up at in the morning and go work out, is that something that you trust you're going to do it? Or if you say to a friend, I'll meet you for coffee, would you go do that instead? And not, and are you honoring commitments to other people and not honoring commitments to yourself? So I invite you, why not become really, really reliable to yourself? Where when you make an appointment or put something on your calendar where there's nobody else that you're going to be there, right? So working out as an example early in the morning that you go and you treat it just like you would treat meeting with a girlfriend for coffee or lunch. And then accountability is an A for the acronym. Are you accountable? And then V, it's vault. Are you a vault? Do you share your vulnerabilities with people who've earned the right to hear it? Or do you share with anyone? I used to do that to Hotwire Connection. I was like, oh, I just really like this person. Let me just share you everything so that we can totally be connected, right? It doesn't work that way. Are you paying attention and are you building trust? I is integrity. Do you choose integrity over comfort? Oh, it's so true. Integrity over comfort. Sometimes it's it's so easy to just say, I want to do what's comfortable. And sometimes comforting is a lie, right? My clients will say, oh, it was just much more comfortable. It's easier just to binge eat on the Doritos or eat that third bowl of ice cream. It was comforting. But when we really choose integrity over comfort, it's not really comforting to eat all of that food because sooner or later, that's just distracting us because sooner or later we're going to beat the crap out of ourselves. And where we can always be in our own integrity and checking in our, on ourselves. Am I aligned with my values? And is non-judgment. Hmm. I wonder how many of you are good at non-judgment. I have been practicing letting go of judgment now for a number of years and it is, I'm a work in progress. I'm not perfect. It is amazing, though, how much freer it is to not be judgmental. And then G is generosity. Are you your most generous version of yourself? So that's Brene Brown's braving acronym that I love, and that's the basis of trust and self-trust, and you can also use it for trusting other people. And when we can honor commitments to ourselves, when we know what our boundaries are, and sometimes we don't know boundaries, until something was been broken, until something was violated, we go, ooh, that doesn't feel right for us. So here's some of the boundaries I need to put into place. You know, a boundary for me is I need sleep. Sleep is really, really important. And I used to not honor that at all. I used to think sleep was ridiculous. 
So that's a boundary that I have of making sure that I sleep well every night. It's really, really important to me. What's important to you? The next thing I want to talk about is this idea of reflection and being able to do it from a compassionate place to really think, to unpack, to process what had occurred into Carol Dweck said this recently. She was in town giving a talk and I went up to, um, she'd been on, she's been on my show a couple of times and uh, there are a couple athletic coaches that wanted to go talk with her. And so I went up with them and one of the things that she said, cause the question was, how do I know if I'm doing this right? And she said, are you reviewing the game tapes for the errors when you lose? And are you reviewing the game tapes when you lose? And also, are you reviewing the game tapes when you win? And that is what reflection is. When you are unpacking, when you're paying attention without judgment, so this is the end of breathing, without judgment, and you're unpacking and you're thinking about it and not having to redo it because you're not going to be able to go back. Maybe you, you want to circle back with the person, and I've done that. It's not very pleasant in the beginning because that goes back with choosing integrity over comfort. And you have to be vulnerable, right? And how many of us truly like to be vulnerable? But it's so valuable to do it that way. So reflecting, thinking, and being with yourself, getting to know yourself, but doing it with a place from a place of compassion. And compassion is self-kindness, common humanity, and mindfulness, being able to pay attention to the thoughts and the stories and the feelings that we have inside without attaching to them. When we do reflection, here's a boundary for you. You're supposed to do it without it becoming a weapon. It doesn't mean you reflect to beat yourself up. And I invite you to do this as a daily practice. And and here's the thing. Some of you may say, seriously, like I can add another thing to do. We're in the cars. We're in the showers. Maybe when you're working out, um, if you ride your bike to work, you know, as you're cooking, as you're doing the mundane stuff of like washing the dishes, maybe making the bed, that can be a time of reflection. And for some of us, that's where we may need to start. I really love the ability to uh, do simple journaling, <laughs> really simple journaling, be, and doing some reflection. I'm constantly going back throughout my day and checking in, especially there are times I, I'm driving and I turn everything off. So all I can do is be with myself when I'm washing the dishes. What, whose voice do I need to hear right now? A lot of times it's myself. So I do a lot of reflecting. And sometimes I can be unpacking it with a friend, my husband, um, as I talk about what happened in a certain situation so I can reflect. Sometimes I do need to verbally vomit. So that is self-trust. Self-trust is the basis of self-love. And cultivate that relationship with yourself. All right, I want to get connected with you. Go and sign up for my weekly newsletter at my website. There's a link in the show notes and let's start getting connected. Until next time, I'm smiling big for you. On a lake, she is dreaming, she is drifting, never been so wild.